every so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Welcome back to the show. Tim Alders, Disciples of Liberty here. I am so sick of trying to figure out where the critical thinking went in this nation. Now, lots of people, conservative talk radio hosts, politicians who run for office, talk about the founder's intent. You hear that a lot, the the original intent of the Constitution. What did the founders want or what did the founders not want is sort of uh, a question that people have to answer for themselves by reading. Now, there's so much to admire and respect about the people who created our nation. And trying to figure out their intentions can be very uh, interesting, rewarding, and uh, important for endeavors like constitutional laws. Uh, Many people enjoy reading the Founding Fathers' writings. I'm one of them. We're approaching another election year, 2022. We're going to have things come come uh, full circle, and we, we have to get out there and work. But the assertion that the founders' intentions might end with, be careful what you wish for, because it might come true. And we have so many people wishing for total government control over their life. We, we want people to um, just take care of us, Right. Well, as time has marched on in this nation, the practical differences for Americans are less than stark. But for the founders, it was monumental. And their selection of a Republican, smaller R, not big R, model of governance was, to their understanding, the key to maintaining the United States' long-term success and viability. And they may very well have been right about that. And history seems to be on their side. However... It also means they probably did not want the mass majority of people to vote. Now, this was from an article um, of a professor who was researching uh, founding fathers and their intentions, and uh, everything went on. It's a, and we look at this, and rebelling against England specifically and Europe in general, the founders did not have a contemporary example of a representative government that they could base their new experiment on, right? It was all new. Uh, We had to play it by ear. We had to figure it out. There were several examples of representative government among the American Indian nations, uh, which several founders had personally observed. But for reasons both understandable and bigoted, they used Europe as their model. 
Europe was the land of kings, queens, and aristocrats where rulers inherited their powers, right? And justified them in the name of God, getting their divine right of kings from God. So where to turn for their inspiration? The founders opened the pages of history, all the way back to ancient Greece, Rome, and they looked at the early purveyors of representative government. I won't go into the lesson of a thousand years of Greek and Roman political history. Besides, in this case, what actually happened in antiquity is less important than what the founders think happened. And they interpreted that history as follows. The Greeks had a democracy that allowed every citizen could vote on the vital issues of the day. Not every person or even adult, mind you, but just citizens. And citizenship was highly restricted in this patriarchal slaveholding society. The franchise in ancient Greece was very limited. Nonetheless, they still fell into tyranny. Afterwards, you look at the Romans, they developed an even more restrictive system, a republic. Citizens would no longer vote directly on issues. Instead, they would elect politicians who represented them in a legislative body called the Senate. Starting to sound familiar? This, too, fell to despotic uh, rulers, leaders. But the founders viewed the Roman Republic as a more durable model than the Greek democracy. And a big reason why they believed a republic superior to a democracy is precisely because it is less democratic. Simply put, they thought, they knew, and they came to the conclusion that democracies were dangerous. Founders believed that, generally speaking, the mass of citizens could not be trusted to vote. Ignorance makes them easily swayed. Look at the world today. Look at the people voting for the Joe Bidens. It's promise citizens something free and they'll vote for you they're easily swayed they're easily bought off Uh, poverty makes them vulnerable to corruption if too many people were allowed to vote the result would be uh, charismatic tyrants or even a chaotic mob rule the people deserve liberty that's what the founders wanted they wanted liberty they wanted freedom but they are vulnerable and should not be given too much political responsibility or say so So if you let the people decide what to do, it won't be long before they either hand the reins of government over to some charming uh, crook in Washington, D.C., who will quickly establish himself or herself as a brutal despot, or the whole thing will simply devolve into anarchy and bloodshed. This is where we're heading today. For that reason, the founders of this uh, grand American experiment believed a small... um, talented group of people, capable, virtuous people, should make the political decisions on everyone's behalf. In other words, elections are for citizens to choose the best and brightest from among their ranks to go forth and rule the nation. What's more, elected politicians should sacrifice their own personal gain for the honor of putting the nation's best interests ahead of their own, thereby expressing the principles they termed Republican virtue. After a brief stint in government, a politician should retire to private life, go back, to be replaced by the next generation of talented, virtuous, honest American citizens. So based on that, it sounds like the founders would want you to vote. The key word here is citizen. Citizens should choose politicians from among their ranks. But do you think you're a qualified citizen, really? Because odds are they didn't think you were. Odds are many of the people in this nation are not. 
Here in the 21st century, we've inherited the broad view of voting rights that came about only after a long struggle. It took nearly two centuries as a nation um, to move a model uh, approaching universal adult suffrage. Until the mid-1960s, African Americans were precluded from voting in much of the South. Arizona and Maine prevented American Indians from voting, despite their U.S. citizenship. And until the mid-20th century, prior to 1920, voting rights for women were partial in some places and denied altogether in much of the country. Before the Civil War, almost no African-American people, including free blacks, could vote. And until the 1820s, even most white guys were denied the right to cast a ballot. The highly restricted franchise was no accident. Not only did the founders deny women and non-whites the right to vote, but they also believed that qualified white men should meet certain requirements, most of them based on net worth. They believed wealth signified that someone was beyond corruption because they weren't economically vulnerable. The founders feared poor people would sell their votes. Do you see that happening in today's world? Do you believe people are selling their votes? I do. And they hoped wealthy men would generally be educated and capable and make good decisions. They worried that poor people who didn't vote would more often make bad decisions because they were ignorant. For the first couple of decades after the Constitution's ratification, some states even restricted voting based on religious affiliation. Following the right religion was a sign that you were likelier to vote for the right candidate, and property requirements for voting didn't fully melt until more than half a century after the Constitution was ratified. Tallied up, and the early republic, not a democracy, extended voting rights to a scant 10 to 15% of the population. And what could they actually vote for? Not much. The House of Representatives was the only federal office that small slice of citizenry could vote for directly. And that was intended up until the 17th Amendment of 1913. All federal judges were appointed, not elected, and even today, none of us can vote directly for a presidential candidate. Instead, we vote for electors from an electoral college who are duty-bound but not actually required to vote for the person on our behalf. It's yet another buffer the founders placed between the sliver of the population that should be allowed to vote and the mechanisms of power they would be indirectly influencing. If an electoral college member doesn't vote as promised, they're called a faithless elector, and there's no recourse. But I mean, that would never happen, right? You, you never find somebody who votes their heart and their will and ignore yours. It actually happens all the time. So when you're going to go into the booths in 2022 and cast a ballot on behalf of your chosen federal, state, or local candidates as well as various initiatives and bond measures, remember this. Assuming you're not one of the privileged elite of this nation, uh, remember that you, simple act of participating in this election, would make many founders upset. Now, why do I tell you this? Why, Why am I on this? Because, you know, our founding fathers did not trust the government. Um, They believed that big government was a detriment to uh, our society. They wanted to make the citizens of the United States of America, the intelligent, well-thought-out citizen, to be the rulers and the government, to be the servants. So when 
people talk about America being an exceptional nation. This is what made America exceptional. No other in the nation, uh, no other nation in the world has the freedoms and the Bill of Rights that we inherit and possess today. Our founding fathers wanted to make individual freedom to be the keystone of our constitutional republic. They knew. Our founding fathers knew that big governments cannot be trusted. Like kings and dictators, governments with power will abuse that power and power can corrupt the rulers who hold it. Um, When you look at uh, the historian and moralist Lord Action in 1887, he expressed this opinion. Quote, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men, unquote. And then you look at the uh, English politician, Earl of uh, Chatham, and British Prime Minister in 1770, he said, ultimate power is apt to corrupt the minds of those who possess it. So in order to make the people rulers and secure their freedoms, the Founding Fathers gave us the U.S. Constitution. It was a gift, a gift that people should relish, but they don't. A gift that should be taught to our children and our grandchildren, and it's not. They made the U.S. Constitution to be the supreme law of the land that limits the power of government and gives its citizens the Bill of Rights. The preamble to the U.S. Constitution reads as follows. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Now, the preamble to the United States Constitution, by most people who study it, is a brief introductory statement of the Constitution's fundamental purpose and its guiding principles. It states in general terms, and courts have referred to it as a reliable evidence of the Founding Fathers' intention regarding the Constitution's meaning and what they hoped the Constitution would achieve. Once again, our Founding Fathers didn't trust big government because governments are run by the people, and people can be corrupted. What we have today in Washington, D.C. is a corrupt government being run by leaders who um, basically followed the Sololinsky's rules for radicals. The administration that we had under Obama, the administration we have under Biden, openly show what corrupt governments can do to the people. Right now, our government, on every aspect, every degree of one another, without question, are basically unethical or shady dealings. We look at um, big government. Big government means less freedoms, and it needs money, plenty of money to operate. That's why our current uh, Representatives in Washington, D.C. want to um, expand the debt ceiling. They want to spend more money. They want to buy votes. Governments are so good at spending other people's money. Uh, The elitists in Washington have exempted themselves from uh, many of the rules they create for you and I. 
It's sad when I say that our gov- government is corrupt, but it didn't happen overnight, folks. This is not to say that there are maybe one or two honest politicians who have gone to Washington, D.C. with good intentions of cleaning house and serving faithfully to their constituents who elected them. But their numbers are very few, and I'd like people to point them out to me. When the leader of America ignores our very own Constitution and bypasses Congress, we have dictators in the making. It's not what America was about. The president is not above the law. And our Congress believes our president is above the law and that they're above the law. We rely way too much on our Congress reigning in this unbridled rule of Biden. We, the people who are the keepers of the U.S. Constitution, must defend it at all costs, even if it means removing um, our government and reestablishing the Constitution in this nation. Many people will say, you know, January 6th was an insurrection. January 6th was about the people who understand the Constitution, the people that believe that we are a nation for the people, by the people. Our government is tyrannical in nature. There's just really no beating around the bush and saying it. We have... Um, politicians that gave us warnings on not trusting government. Um, They warned us about political factions, that they would tear the nation apart. Well, what's a political faction? Um, It is Republican and Democrats. The Republican and Democratic Party are political factions, private entities that have so much money and care more about power than they do about freedom. It's hard to imagine the current U.S. government today, without the two leading political parties, right? Democrats and Republicans. But in 1787, when the delegates to the Constitutional Convention gathered in Philadelphia to hash out the foundation of their new government, they entirely admitted political parties from their new nation's founding document. It wasn't an accident, folks. The framers of the new Constitution desperately wanted to avoid the divisions that had ripped England apart in the bloody civil wars of the 17th century. Many of them saw parties or factions, as they called them, as corrupt relics of a monarchical British system that they wanted to discard in favor of our republic. It was not that they didn't think of parties, says Willard Stern Randall, professor at the Champlain College and biographer of six of the founding fathers, Just the idea of a party brought back bitter memories to some of them. George Washington's own family had fled England precisely to avoid the civil wars there. Alexander Hamilton once called political parties the most fatal disease of popular governments. Madison, who worked with Hamilton to defend the new constitution to the public in the Federalist Papers, wrote in Federalist 10, that one of the functions of a well-constructed union should be its tendency to break and control the violence of factions. But Thomas Jefferson, who was serving a diplomatic post in France during the Constitutional Convention, 
believed it was a mistake not to provide for different political parties in the new government. Men by their constitution are naturally divided into parties, he would write in 1824. In fact, when Washington ran unopposed to win the first presidential election in the nation's history, in 1789 he chose Jefferson for his cabinet so it would be inclusive of different political viewpoints. I think he was warned if he didn't have Jefferson in it, then Jefferson might oppose his government. When Jefferson was a Secretary of State and Hamilton as Treasury Secretary, two competing visions of America developed into the nation's first two political parties. Supporters of Hamilton's vision of a strong central government, many of whom were northern businessmen, bankers, and merchants who leaned toward England when it came to foreign affairs, would become known as Federalists. Jefferson, on the other hand, favored limited federal government and kept power in state and local hands. His supporters tended to be small farmers, southern planters who traded with the French and were uh, sympathetic to the France. Though he sided with Hamilton in their defense of the Constitution, Madison strongly opposed Hamilton's ambitious financial programs which he saw as concentrating way too much power in the hands of the federal government. In 1791, Madison and Jefferson joined forces in forming what would become the Democratic-Republican Party, forerunners today of the Democratic Party, largely in response to Hamilton's programs, including the federal government's assumption of states' debt and the establishment of national banking systems. Now, many people say, Um, Jefferson and Madison were the founders of today's Democratic Party, but they were the founders of the Democratic Party that existed under um, previous Democrats, the Kennedys, that believed in the Constitution and freedom. By the mid-1790s, Jefferson and Hamilton had both quit Washington's cabinet. Meanwhile, the Democratic Republicans and Federalists spent much of the first president's second term bitterly attacking each other and competing newspapers over the opinions of his administration's policies. Notice you won't see that today. You will not see different views from different newspapers and media because the power elite of this nation has taken control, so their views cannot be challenged. When Washington stepped aside as president in 1796, he warned in his farewell address of the divisive influence of factions on the working of democracy. The common and continual uh, mischiefs of the spirit of party are sufficient to make it the interest and duty of wise people to discourage and restrain it. He had stayed on for a second term only to keep these two parties from warring with each other. Randall says of Washington he was afraid of what he called disunion, that if the parties flourished and they kept fighting each other, then the union of America would break up. By that time, however, the damage was done. After the highly contentious election of 1796, when Adams narrowly defeated Jefferson, the new president moved to squash opposition by making it a federal crime to criticize the president or his administration policies. Jefferson struck back in spades after toppling the unpopular Adams four years later, when the Democratic-Republicans won control of both Congress and the presidency. He fired half of all federal employees, the top half. Randall explains he kept only the clerks and the custom agents, 
destroying the Federalist Party and making it impossible to rebuild. While the Federalists would never win another presidential election and disappear for good after the War of 1812, the two-party system revived itself with the rise of Andrew Jackson's Democratic Party of the 1830s and firmly solidified in the 1850s after the founding of the Republican Party. Though the parties identify and regionally identifications would shift greatly over time, the two-party system we know today has fallen into place by 1860. Even as the nation stood poised on the brink of the very civil war that Washington and the founding fathers had desperately wanted to avoid. We had politicians who cared more about party and power than they did about freedom and liberty. Even the people who created our nation drifted towards power. So we look at the government today, and is there any question why our government today is so corrupt? Why our government today is enjoying removing the freedoms and liberties from you, the people of this great nation? You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network. There are many passionate, dedicated hosts on this station, and you need to share their shows. You need to talk about it on your social media. If you want to support shows like this and the network, Heaven's Brew, heavensbrew.com, is for the premium coffee drinkers, the people who want the best in their mouth when it comes to coffee. Check it out and share that on your social media. Get people to buy some of the best coffees from throughout the world. And folks, start taking a stand. Start standing up for our country and stop, stop demanding free things from government. Because until we walk away from government handouts and believe in ourselves that we can establish a country that's better without freebies, then we'll never, never be free. You know, Healthy Cell is a terrific lineup of products. They have products that are pill-free, gel-packed vitamins, uh, looking for better sleep, focus, and energy. Check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator in nutritional supplements for cell health. Healthy Cell has a product that helps REM sleep, helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep supplement. The only sleep supplement that's designed to support all stages of sleep. And boy, is it needed now during all the stress of the COVID-19 pandemic. So go to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any product from Healthy Cell. I use them every day. I believe in them. And you should too. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. 
poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Listen, we know how we got here. We talked about it the first half of the show, what America was meant to be, what our founding fathers intended, and where we are today. I keep pondering as I read articles that come out in the newspaper where America's critical thinking went, where our logical thinking has disappeared to. It's really interesting to me that government, if people do not believe that COVID is about control, then you're really not looking at the situation with open eyes. Why do I say that? Well, COVID was man-made. If you want to be ticked off about COVID, be ticked off at the governments for creating biological weapons, for weaponizing the flu, for creating these viruses to attack people. People can't deny that COVID was created in a lab. Why? What's the need? What's the purpose to create a COVID? if not for power and control. You look at what COVID has done to American industry, and it is insane. Not only are there 26 million people around not going back to work, 200,000 extra businesses closed just within the first year of COVID not including the second year, not including the other things. This was just up until April of 2021. 200,000 extra closures. Why does government want businesses to shut down? Well, as the founding fathers said in the first part of this show, poor people are easier to control. Poor people will buy your promises. Poor people want you to give them something. That's why the founders had an issue with poor people voting because they can be swayed 
easier than people who are independent. So with 200,000 extra closings in the first few months of the pandemic in 2021, I find it interesting that as you look at what damage was done to business throughout the world, and you're having a hard time finding publications that actually talk and tell the truth. Now, there is no denying that COVID had an effect on businesses. Just is a fact that businesses were hurt by COVID. Not only did businesses close under the weight of back rent, unpaid loans, other expenses, but roughly uh, in the early parts of 2021, 26 million U.S. businesses were without employees. Now, business failures traditionally happen among the smallest of corporations, those with less than five employees. All the studies that are out there don't explain why business failures have been um, happening, especially, they say, with extensive government aid, including the Paycheck Protection Program, which provided $525 billion in forgivable loans to small businesses. Then they added another $284 billion, but the, the, there was so much fraud in the PPP programs. What was meant to help the small businesses ride things out, um, a gentleman by the name of Scott Stern, a management professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Sloan School, um, who studies business formation, he said, quote, not only are things um, less bad than what we thought, but they are less bad by an order of magnitude. So these people are trying to tell us that losing 26 million employees and hundreds of thousands of small Main Street businesses isn't as bad as it could have been. State and local governments uh, kicked in an extra $14 billion in grants, forgivable loans, and other aid to small businesses to help alleviate the pain. You look at this and they say, yeah, no, you know, we've done everything to keep businesses open. Well, why did you force them to close? Why did you force them to close for a virus that you created? Uh, mask mandates, business closures, um, all in the name of safety. Because, folks, I, I hate to tell you, as citizens of this great nation, you are not smart enough to make your own decisions about uh, your life and your safety. Now, coronavirus is an acute respiratory syndrome. I have friends and family who have died because of COVID. I am not saying COVID does not exist. COVID exists because our governments created it to exist. Yet we're not mad at government. We're mad at the people who won't take the vaccine. Um, we look at uh, what's going on and people are out there saying, yes, this was caused by animals, possibly bats, possibly monkeys again. But we know for a fact that this was being worked on and created in labs. 
And what I find really interesting, what I find really interesting in the dynamics of the argument that is happening in society today among those who believe everybody should be forced to be vaccinated and those believe that they shouldn't have to be vaccinated is that if everybody in government and everybody in the corporations who make the vaccines are believing their narrative that these things are 100% safe, then why aren't they taking liability for it? That's always my first question. If you're so sure that this is going to cause no harm, why did you seek immunity from lawsuit if it causes harm? Well, it could cause harm. Yeah, it could, but that's not what they're saying. They're out there saying that this is 100% safe and viable. And you have corporations that are trying to now force employees to receive a vaccine that nobody is liable for. This is where corporations should have to take liability. If you're going to force employees to inject something in their body, don't you think you should be liable if there is a severe reaction or a couple years down the road, death or trauma from this vaccine? I always love it. Government requires almost every business owner, every licensed profession in our nation to, to accept liability. Home builders have, you know, a one-year uh, warranty plus 10 years if they did something wrong or bad. Yet, our government today, based on huge funding from Big Pharma, says, no, this is needed, it's an emergency, and if it kills people later, we don't want anybody to be able to sue these people or the government. This is where critical thinking, logical thinking comes in. Why would you put something in your body that nobody knows if it's safe? They can say it's safe, but are they willing to share the responsibility if it's not? This is one of the largest issues that people like me have with this vaccine. This and if you look at the fact that it's not truly a vaccine. When you go and get your children the measles or mumps vaccine, it is to prevent measles and mumps, correct? Well, the COVID vaccine is proven not to prevent COVID. Now the narrative is that the COVID vaccine lessens the symptoms if you catch COVID. Well, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine who is a doctor at an urgent care clinic in Seattle. He was texting me back and saying, sorry, I haven't gotten back with you sooner, but this new COVID variant, the Omicron, is kicking our butt in our urgent cares. I'm like, oh, really? among vaccinated or unvaccinated. And he said 90% of the people coming into urgent care are vaccinated. This is a fact. This is a corporation who runs emergency clinics in Seattle. I have lots of friends that are doctors. And it's interesting when you really have a conversation with them, the actual truth, not the truth that the media wants you to believe, that everybody with COVID in the hospitals is unvaccinated. 
even ABC here in the state of Utah reported that a large percentage of the people in hospitals and seeking care are vaccinated. Now, mask mandates have happened again in certain areas of the state of Utah. I don't know what they're like in your states. They're telling people, again, you have to wear masks to go into to, to businesses. Now, I try not to argue when people tell me I have to wear a mask, but because of certain health issues, masks cause me to cough more, and it causes issues with my lungs. And different studies state that masks are not preventing COVID. That because of the size of the virus, because of the transmission of the virus, that a mask will not prevent it from going through the mask. So why? If it's not about control, then what is it about? And the Supreme Court is now hearing uh, cases on the mandates that Biden has put into place. This will be a historic turning point for our nation, folks, because we will either have the Supreme Court rule in the favor of liberty and freedom and not allow our government to turn into a dictatorship that tells people that you have to inject yourself with a vaccine. Or we will lean on the, tie, on the side of slavery and the Supreme Court will put chains upon the citizens of this nation and say that the government has a right to dictate what you put in your body. I always try to use my logical thinking hat and think about all the things in the world that can kill you. It's been known for decades that cigarettes cause cancer and more people have died from cigarettes throughout history than pretty much any other item. Yet because of the lobbying, because of the big industry that the tobacco companies have and the money they donate towards politicians, we've never banned something known to be harmful to people. Cars, people die in. Planes, people die in. People die of the flu. All kinds of things cause death in our nation. But none of them have had the reaction from government that COVID has has. COVID has changed the minds of the people to open up to sacrificing liberty and freedom for control. Now, we have a lot of vaccine mandates hitting people. And we have a lot of people fighting against vaccine mandates. And this is going to affect 80 million people. We are already having nurses and doctors and people in the medical field lose their jobs because they don't want this vaccine. What is it about the people in the medical field not wanting this vaccine? What are they reading that you're not? And I'm not trying to convince you folks. I'm not trying to say, buy into my narrative. I'm saying, what research have you done? 
Because I always love having the argument with family or friends, and they're like, well, why aren't you getting vaccinated? And I'll flip the narrative and say, why are you getting vaccinated? Well, because they're saying it'll keep me safe. Well, who's saying it'll keep you safe? And what articles, what research have you read to verify what TV is telling you? And they're like, I just believe what they're telling me. Well, you believe because you are now living in a state of fear. People are easier to control if they fear for their life and safety. Now, as I have stated, and as many others who are conservatives, constitutionalists, freedom-loving people have stated, we are not denying the existence of COVID. We choose to treat COVID like anything else, like cancer, like the flu, like anything else among the thousands of things that can kill us. We are not going to be dictated by fear. Because if we are, then where do we go? Where, where do we go from here if we're going to fear every new thing that comes up? Because governments are creating new, new things that can happen to you. Um, and we are looking at a government that no longer cares about freedom, right? If you Google things that could kill people in this nation. Heart disease, still among the top. Cancer is still among the top and growing. Chronic lower respiratory disease. Bronchitis, stroke, accidents or unintentional injuries, Alzheimer's, diabetes. These are all things that can kill you. Yet, are you hiding from it? There are many different types of heart disease in this nation. It is still the leading cause of death in the United States. Cancer happens when DNA damage causes the body to make abnormal cells that it doesn't need. It's ranked number two. We have many, many things that can kill us. And they're looking at what kills us. You know, in the 1900s, pneumonia, tuberculosis, and diarrhea was the leading cause of death. You can die from diarrhea. As I said, heart disease, cancer. Um, Cancer is a group of over 130 different diseases. um, Ranked second among death in the world. And it's getting worse because of things that we are putting in foods to preserve. And I just find it interesting that because of COVID, we are looking at a government that wants to take away your liberties. Now, people are saying in 2020, COVID, is it 
the leading cause of death in America? Well, it's hard to tell because nobody's releasing the data two years later. They released the data of heart disease. Um, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has confirmed, though, you can find this on their website, that COVID isn't the leading cause of death in the United States. Although COVID can be among the leading cause of death per day is what a San Diego-based physician is saying. Uh, you can believe it. You cannot believe it. I don't care. 80% of COVID still isn't serious, according to John Hopkins. For context, the pandemic has a case fatality rate of around 6.8% globally. And that is influenced by poor third world countries. The fatality rate for people who get COVID is as high as 13% for seniors over the age of 65 with pre-existing health risks related to respiratory issues. So if you already have bad lungs, if you have sleep apnea, if you are one of these people that are suffering some type of breathing issues, COVID is going to be really poor for you. Now, we look at what's going on in America today, and you go to the list that is published, 647,457 people die of heart disease in America. Another 599,108 die of cancer. Accident and unintentional injuries, 169,936. Lung disease, 160,201. Stroke, 146,383. Alzheimer's, 121,000. Diabetes, 83,564. Flu and pneumonia. Um, they haven't updated this, but it was on average of 55,672. Kidney disease, 50,633. Suicide, 47,173. Now, we have all these things that cause death, yet where is the outrage for um, working on these things? Among men, heart disease kills 347,879 people. Cancer is 315,000. So you combine that with... Um, the causes of death for women at 299,000 with heart disease. The numbers are starting to get really high, folks. Yet, are you taking better care of your health? Are you taking vitamins, supplements? You try to avoid um, artificial things that can cause cancer. Are you still eating sugars that can give you diabetes? What are you doing for your anger issues with stroke? People are getting angrier. I ask this because... Common sense, folks, common sense. This is where we have lost our common sense in America today. We have COVID. It exists. It's something out there. It was created by governments. Um, 
but it's not even the leading cause of death worldwide in 2020 or 2021. And I don't see everybody freaking out over um, heart disease. I don't see people freaking out over other things that can kill you. The Supreme Court is hearing this vaccine mandate. The cause of freedom will either be substantiated by the Supreme Court or they're going to show the American people that the Supreme Court no longer um, represents the people of this nation, the Constitution, and freedom. It's as simple as that. You might disagree. Go ahead, go ahead and disagree with me. I, I personally could care less if you disagree. We are a nation at odds with each other. Why are we at odds with each other? It wasn't the vaccine. It's not COVID. It's government. It's government, media, Hollywood would rather have us hating on each other than focusing our attention on the corruption that exists in our states and in Washington, D.C., We can continue to live in hate, which I believe firmly we will, because the majority of the people in this world have become dumb. They just buy whatever narrative is thrown to them on TV without doing any research. And we live in a day and age where research is so easy to do, folks. Turn on your computer, Google data. Find data from reliable sources. Look at it. Look at the studies on COVID. Do you know how many studies on COVID there are out there? I'm going to tell you. There are 7,031 studies on COVID. There are 572 studies on the COVID um, drug they're trying to inject in your body. There are 1,928 drug studies. And I hate to tell the people that are so pro-vaccine that not all of these studies have your narrative. They're not telling you what it is doing. One COVID-19 vaccine study says that uh, the vaccine uh, temporarily changes the menstrual cycle among women. One said that um, boosters cannot be continued to go and the vaccine's no good after a few months. So if the vaccine's going to be no good after a few months, why are they pushing the vaccine so hard? Folks, all I ask is that you try to use the intelligence that you have. Try to use the tools at your disposal, your computer, your phone, And read some of these studies. Not all are um, created by Pfizer. And not all are positive for the vaccine. Um, And they go up and they increase every day. And you're going to be shocked when you start looking at these studies and who they're done by and what they're saying. Um, they're talking about 
symptoms. They're talking about um, dangers. They're talking about many things, but we don't hear about all these, right? They're not telling you how they're going. And, you know, most of these studies aren't even completed. You can't find a phase three trial on COVID that has been completed. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network, the uh, Disciples of Liberty radio show. There are plenty of hosts on the America Out Loud Network that uh, you can find your passions and jump onto and help. You can also help um, by going, if you are a coffee drinker and you like good coffee, premium coffee, Delivered to your door, you can go to heavensbrew.com and look it out. If you want to help people on the journey to freedom, I have published a book last year. It's called The Origins of Liberty. Liberty doesn't come from government. If you believe liberty comes from government, I don't know why you're here listening. But folks, we have to stand up, we have to stand strong, and we have to work together. Until next time, take care. I, 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 I,